The following podcast is a Dear Media production. You got what I need. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Kotz. And I'm Stephanie Sambari, and we are the hosts of That's So Retrograde. Heard of us? For the past 200 and some episodes, we've been trying to figure out what the hell wellness is. We have inspiring and fun conversations with all types of amazing people, from healers to comedians to whatever's in between. We're five years in, but we're just getting started. So hop on board every Thursday to join the party and route to living your best life. And don't forget your cannabis. Or to check us out on Instagram at So Retrograde. That's right. Bye. See you there. Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Welcome to the show today. I'm excited because I have two of my friends here. Have you noticed that a lot of my guests are my friends? I can't get strangers to talk to me, but I can get a lot of my friends to talk to me. And these are also people that I work with. So I have PJ Nestler and Mark Roberts. They're both human performance specialists. We work with them, I should say, at XPT. I wanted to talk to them because doing these experiences with them and seeing them work with people and talking about you know, the important things of your health, your management of your stress, your sleep, what you're eating, you know, how you're moving, things like this, and their overall approach to your self-care, I find to be really balanced. And the problem with some of the human performance stuff is it's either, you know, too expensive, it takes too much time, it's too intimidating. And what I really appreciate about them, besides the fact that they're both incredibly smart and talented, is that they know how to break it down in a realistic way. So whether, you know, you went to them and said, hey, I've been doing some stuff and I'm looking for some improvement or I'm just getting going and I don't really know you know, a realistic way to start, they really can break it down. And I just love them. You know, I've seen them work together. They're both alpha and they have no problem sort of letting the other one be in charge or letting one of us be in charge. And and they're just really capable, great people who do what they do for all the right reasons. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Here's why I wanted to have both of you. Uh, is because, well, first of all, I like both of you. I do genuinely have a deep respect for you. But I think what you also do very, very well that I have seen many times is talk about self-care in a really practical way. And we could, you know, drill down and get all scientific, but I think where most people live is we actually kind of know what to do, but we're either, for whatever reason, we're busy, we're, we're so far behind it, We haven't placed value on it. We just don't have those reminders. And I think both of you, obviously you function in high, high performance, but your ability to remind us and put that in a nice framework, I think you do that, um, you know, better than most people I've ever met. And I've met a lot of people. So for those of you listening, Mark, you will hear, has a little bit of a Irish accent, just if we're trying to decipher, and PJ uh, does not. So, uh, PJ, I'm going to start with you. PJ still acts like he sort of works with Laird and I, but not, you know, (laughs) right? 
Mark's like, you can talk, Mark. It's okay. Yeah, you can. Uh, Mark and I worked together and taught other classes. And then we were fortunate enough to have um, some of the people who invested in XPT bring your name up. And to be honest, I'll be honest, for you to come in to XPT the way you did and fit right in, I think you made it look really easy, quite frankly. Because I, I think the fact that we, it's all a group of people that are really trying to get the most, you know, the newest information that's reasonable and yet without ego. And uh, you came in and, and were large and in charge. So first I want to start with the two of you and sort of why are you in this space? What about this space? Both of you have worked with high performance athletes, but you also spend time in XPT and things like that. Um, Mark, yes, let's. We'll. I'll direct it. Okay. Why did you? I know you know you were a rugby player, competitive rugby player. Yeah. And um, what about it? it? You sort of thought I'm going to get out of bed each day and dedicate m- myself to this. So I, I've always been really interested. I've always been really interested into how I can perform personally and where I can take myself on a performance level. So I've always been interested in my challenges or challenge myself to the edge and trying to find that kind of space where I feel super, super uncomfortable, very scared. And whether it's hanging out of trees or, or going as fast as I can on my bike or whatever it was, I always find like exploring that part of me was mm-hmm. fascinating to me. Because I spent a lot of time on my own, so I was always in my own head. So I was always challenging myself. And that's the only person that I ever challenged myself to. So rugby was great. It served its purpose. It, it, it served me very well. And then when I left that, I needed that competitive edge. Um, I needed that kind of like personal competitive edge that I kind of lost. Mm-hmm. And then I think the day that we met and you invited me to your pool. And, yeah, you better be careful where I invited you. Yeah, 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 to the pool uh and i you know i i got thrown in the pool with laird and it was terrifying and that moment i was like i am uncomfortable here this is something that i'm not familiar with i want to be here we went through some breathing practices i had conversations with myself that i'd never had before and i was like right this is this is my new journey and these are my people this is my tribe this is where i need to be and this is this is what i want to dedicate my life to because it's something that was so uh, foreign to me as far as like trying to explore myself inwardly mm-hmm. where I am inwardly as opposed to always kind of pushing the boundary on the outside and I was like okay this is something I need to to explore when it comes to self-care I mean listen we all know okay we've got to move we need to get to bed we need some sleep we got to recover and manage our stress but the food food is a big one and I don't know about you but I have been cooking so much I'm like sick of myself and my menus and and maybe like Hey, listen, you want to look to change it up. You want to, you know, do it without feeling restricted. And, and maybe sometimes it's also kind of re-educating ourselves. Like, well, what types of things can I be eating? And that's why I'm excited to share with you Sakara. And they are a nutrition company and they focus on overall wellness, but they really start with what you're eating. And I'm excited because they have a great offer for you today. They have all organic, ready-to-eat meals, and they're all plant-based. And they're designed to boost your energy, deal with your digestion. I know a lot of us don't even know the difference between like feeling good and not good from our food. And once you start feeling good, you know, to eating well because of how it not only makes you feel, you know, physically, but all all of a sudden, you know, you sort of function better. You know, like I have more energy and my brain and my concentration, and then you look better. And I don't mean just your waistline. I think, you know, when you see people that are eating nutrient dense, good for you foods, 
they have kind of a glow. And along with delicious meals, Sakara also has you know, daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas if you want to navigate that. This also supports your nutrition. And to boost your results, they have a really incredible selling metabolism super powder. It's an all-natural remedy for bloating, weight gain, and fatigue. So if you want to check them out, right now, Sakara is offering my listeners 20% off their first order when they go to Sakara. that's S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash Gabby. And if you enter the code Gabby at checkout, they will give you 20% off your first order. There's no commitments. It's just the food shows up. You've got breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They change it weekly so you won't get bored. They've got, you know, it's all chef crafted and they get creative on their menus. So if you're worried about, sometimes I think people think, oh, it's healthy. No, it's delicious. So head to Sakara.com. You come from a high-performance sporting background, but a lot of times people will will think of that as like, oh, they, they do it because they want to win or there's a real purpose or something's on the line. I think what they don't, what a lot of people don't realize is the idea of, can I have better daily habits? Could I try something new that makes me uncomfortable? It's really a version of that for their everyday life. For sure. So I, I think it's really important to start the conversation off and say, this isn't about, um, you know, you're going to try to make a team or win a fight that people can establish sort of safely, not like you, Mark, <laughs> safely. I am a safe. <laughs> I almost sick. drowned in the yeah. pool and then I was hallucinating and breathing and I knew I found it. <laughs> no, but just forget even XPT. I'm talking about what do you get from the space of coaching others, helping them get better? Uh, Mark, you've had a lot of clients when you were in Chicago that it's, these are working people. Yeah. You know, this is the stuff I'm, I'm really interested in because this is what impacts more people than, you know, the sharp end of the stick are the athletes. But for you, you know, PJ, I'll, I'll redirect this question to you. What do you get? I think the coolest part for me is trying to solve the puzzle. So I think that's what keeps me engaged. And I think that's why I'm so interested in XPT. That's why I was interested in training athletes. It was, that's why I got into training fighters because they were such a complex puzzle to solve. Mm -hmm. And then with all the stuff we learned with XPT, that, that's why I was so excited when I first came up here and, and met with you guys, I saw all of this other stuff that people were doing to try to solve that puzzle of improving their health, improving their performance, improving their wellness. So when I saw that, it was it was a new opportunity for me to keep learning and mm -hmm. that's what keeps me engaged. And so I really enjoyed that part. And then it's just rewarding to continuously, when, when, you, when you feel like you kind of solved that puzzle a little bit and then you help somebody else see it, that's the rewarding cycle that makes you want to keep going. And, you know, you get the, the feedback from people, whether that's athletes who say, oh, thank you so much. I, this really helped me win this fight. Mm -hmm. Or really with most of the people who work with XPT, that the more impactful things are, I was struggling with this anxiety or this issue. And, and that, that breathing that you taught me changed my life. And those are the things that are like, I want to go back and learn more so I can help more people like that. So I think that's the the thing that keeps me engaged, keeps me wanting to learn and keeps me interested in, in exploration and then sharing. So PJ, if someone comes in to see you and um, maybe, you know, work and family and just life has taken over and, and they're sort of saying, hey, I want to, I need to either for the first time get into a better lifestyle because uh, it's not working. Um, maybe you could explain, I'm interested in sort of, you know, what, what are the barriers First of all, what are the, what keeps people 
from being able to make that change? I think the biggest barriers are their own beliefs, their, their belief structure about themselves, their belief structure that creates their habits. I think that is, we have all the science, we have all the people know what mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. There's no, we could sit down a hundred people here and ask them what they should eat if they want to get to their goal, how often they should sleep. Most of those basic things people know, but they have these thought processes that, that drive all their behaviors and these habits that they've just created and they allow themselves these self-limiting beliefs. So I think I, one of the really cool parts about what we do at XPT is we put people in these kind of extreme situations that shocks them out of that belief structure. And then right. it opens up a whole new path of, wow, I never knew I could do this or this was possible or I got to stop believing the crap I've been telling myself all the time. And then once you can do that for people, whatever it is that does that, sometimes it's a catastrophe in their their personal lives. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a, an XPT retreat, whatever it is that creates that. Once they have that catalyst for change and they can kind of start thinking different, then you have the opportunity to start laying out the path for them and showing them the simple steps. But I think we as a profession uh, in the health and fitness industry focus so much on the science and the tactics and I got to dial in your nutrition and this is how many micrograms you should be taking of this per day. Mm-hmm. And people just don't do it. So I think that's the, the and that's the area that I'm the most interested in is the, the psychology of, of the human behavior and what these limitations are. And that's what I find myself I found myself being really interested in when I was training athletes because I found that I was able to have the biggest impact when I understood what these athletes were going through, what their challenges were, what their fears were mm-hmm. versus how do I improve their vertical jump? And then when I could connect that way, I could get a lot better results. And then that's what I found with with XPT is a whole new crowd of people, a different demographic. And the cool thing you learn is that it's all the same. They have the same fears, the same habits, the same things that are right. just at different levels. So Mark, if someone has come into you because you you as well, not only being high performance yourself uh, as an athlete, have trained athletes, but it, let's say someone comes in to see you and yeah. we can't pop them into an ice tub because that creates a level of priority. To PJ's point, that really can sort of, all of a sudden everything you know and believe is different because now you're just thinking about, I'm actually uncomfortable, yeah. I'm afraid, yeah. I don't know if I can do it. How would we- I think I might die. Yeah, yeah, these are. I this is I, what I mean. That's what I felt like when I first came up here and really? jumped in. Oh, yeah. you're such a good poker player. I jumped in the ice bath <laughs> really? and Laird was there and I was going, please just don't pass out in front of these people because they do this every day. I don't know if I'm going to survive, but just don't pass out. When it comes to what kind of skincare I want to use, I once I learned like I'm basically eating it, I got more particular about what types of ingredients I was going to be using. And that's why I'm really excited to share with you a company I've known about for years. It's near my home here in California, Osea. And what I love about these guys is that they're putting your health because they're giving you these clean, natural, non-toxic ingredients, but even the health of our planet first with a potent skin and body care solutions because they are pure, they're safe, but they're effective. You know, a lot of times with natural skincare, you go, okay, great, it's safe, um, but I don't want, I'm not getting the results I want. And they have really figured out how to blend both. It was started by a family of women who were inspired by the sea. All of their packaging is sustainable. It's non-toxic, cruelty-free, and it's vegan. So whether you're looking for that hydration or dealing with some fine lines or blemishes, they have a beautiful line of products that are all effective, mineral-rich, bioavailable, 
and all plant-based. So if you're in the area, they do have a place that you can get customized facials and in-house expert estheticians are there. But go ahead and check them out online. Osea Malibu, that's O-S-E-A-M-A-L-I-B-U.com. And if you put in slash Gabby Reese, they'll give you $10 off your first purchase of $50 or more. And they're offering free shipping anywhere in the U.S. on orders over $75. So if someone's listening to this at home and, mm-hmm. and they go, hey, listen, I don't, I can't get a nice tub yet. You know, okay, cold showers, things like that. But maybe yeah. what would you say to, because this is the starting point. We right. could throw all the information, layers and layers, and like PJ stated, especially now with the internet, we really do know what to do. So it's first focusing on why don't we make this a priority? And also, listen, it's a daunting process to say, how do I organize all this? Because mm. people, we can say, well, it's so, it's so easy. It's so intuitive. We should eat this and move like this and make a calendar. Yeah. But we've all dedicated a lot of time and we have a system in place. Sure. So maybe both of you, and it's okay if you step on each other a little bit. Yeah, yeah. M- maybe talk about, you know, first of all, if someone doesn't have this drastic system, how can they start? And I think another key thing that we see in the experiences are other people, the support, the camaraderie. So Mark, maybe you could just give me some ideas about someone goes, you know, I really do want to make a change. I feel overwhelmed. For sure. Well, the the first feeling is that that overwhelming feeling creates that chaos and then no decisions are made. So it's trying to get yourself into a position where I can consciously make a good decision about where I'm going to go, what my next step is. So I think for all of us at XPT, the first one we go to is, is, is that breath work just calming that mindset down. So I think before you start anything, it's like understand yourself, be able to go to a place where you can kind of have a conversation with yourself, understand what it is you're looking for and who it is you think you are right now. And I think the breath is one of those those big tools where you can just take a breath. Like they said, it's like, just take a couple of breaths and you'll be okay, you know, to calm someone down. So we can have some simple breath work to bring you into that kind of that more of a calm state of mind where you're able to then make a decision. I think we should start our day that way. I think we should start our uh, decision-making that way. So if we're ever going to have a day that we don't really know what's going to happen or if we're in a position where um, I don't know how to start something, yeah, bring yourself down, calm yourself, breathe, and then start to try and figure that out. Um, for me, I like to tell people to create a system just a, a building block, mm-hmm. building block to nowhere to start. So don't create a goal. Don't set this expectation of yourself. Like I want in the next 10 weeks to do this and to be this kind of person, because there's only going to be two things that's going to happen. You're either going to fail, miss the mark, and you're going to then hate yourself or be you know upset with yourself, or you're going to hit the mark, well done, but now you got to start the whole process all over again. So right. you're just, you know, you're just jump starting to 10 weeks or eight weeks, finish the goal, high five, now what? So I like to tell people just create a system to nowhere right now. Set in place a few things that you can do that lead you in the right path where you want to be and get started that way mm-hmm. with no end game, with no kind of sidetrack, with no actual goal. It's just a system because then that system can take you far beyond what your goal could have been. Or, you know, you could just, you know, divert off of that that path and then create longer term goals once you've figured out which direction you actually want to go. Well, it's a little bit like crawling before you walk. For sure. PJ and both of you, um, I want to hear the elements that need to be in that addressed in that system because that same system that needs to be addressed for the beginner is the same for an elite athlete. Yeah. 
maybe you, these are, so these are things we're saying to people, hey, you have to put all of this on the table, whether it's your sleep and hydration and food and movement, maybe just speak to, for someone again, who might feel overwhelmed or, oh, I'm 40 now, so this is just how it is. Um, What do they need to get in there for these building blocks for this system? I think to Mark's point, the one thing I want to add is that a lot of people do get overwhelmed. So, with with what Mark was saying about creating a system is just pick one and start somewhere because mm-hmm. it's really easy to get overwhelmed. And I think, again, we as an industry do a really poor job of helping the average person because they say, "I'm oh, I'm trying to eat healthy, so I'm doing this. Well, are you really, is that keto? Is that this? Well, are you sleeping enough? There's always something more we can layer on top. And I mm-hmm. remember I heard a quote that was something about you know, when, when you do that to people, I can't remember the terminology, but basically when you do that to people, it's like throwing rocks at them while they're trying to climb a mountain. So they're trying to work their way up this massive obstacle and you're just nitpicking the little things. And- uh, Sounds like parenting. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think if you can just find something to start and the key is finding a keystone habit, one of those foundational things that will also leak over into the other areas. Because if you just focus on your supplementation, it's really not going to make that big of a difference. But if you do focus on your breathing, let's say, Mm -hmm. it's such a foundational thing to health and it connects foundationally to our psychology, which is the biggest factor. Mm -hmm. And I think if if people don't start with that, if you don't have all the things Mark just talked about, an understanding of who you are, who you want to be, then you'll just keep shooting for this and that and things will fall short and you never really know because there's no there's no gauge to weigh it against. So are you making progress? Are you getting anywhere? Or are you just going in circles, chasing different rabbits? So, so I think when, that's a great place to start. A lot of people will go, well, I breathe. I'm here. I have to breathe <laughs> to survive. Yeah, so everybody says that. So without, <laughs> without getting, again, this, this is my goal for all of these conversations, which is to have the highest level information, but still brought to the people who don't, aren't getting it. You know, we know mm-hmm. a lot of high level athletes they have this information. So let's start with the breathing. Can you simply explain? So if I'm sitting at home, I go, oh, I can figure out how to do that. Just the tool of how to use the breath, whether it's to downregulate or calm down or use it as, you know, for other things. Yeah, I think the the three simple ways I always like to explain breathing for people so mm-hmm. it doesn't get too complex is breathe through your nose as much as possible. Slow the breath down. Mm -hmm. So breathing around five to seven breaths per minute and breathing into the belly and ribs. If they focus on those three things, that takes care of the psychology of breathing, the mechanics of breathing, the physiology. There's so many things that if people just focus on that, and it's easy to think about because you just have to become aware. Mm -hmm. If you just become more aware of the way you breathe and you think of those three things, every time it pops in your head when you're driving, you think, am I breathing through the nose? Am I breathing into the belly and ribs? And am I slowing the breath down? Mm-hmm. And if you just start doing those things, it'll start to be conscious and then it'll start to be unconscious and you'll start to create that as more of a behavior mm-hmm. and you'll feel more calm, you'll feel more relaxed, you'll have less stress. All of these other things will start to happen in your life that will then allow you to focus on the next thing. And you don't have to go any further in breathing. You can literally just do those things right. and be more and more conscious of them throughout your life. Yeah. And then you can move to the next category or maybe you're like, wow, that was so impactful. I want to go a little deeper down the breathing yeah. lane. Um, so I think those are the three simple tips. And Mark and I have done extensive research into yeah. every category of breathing we could find. 
And across all of those <laughs> yeah. things, it's pretty much come down to like, those, those are the three yeah. Yeah. simplest areas to start with. In honor of September being National Recovery Month and in honor of a company that is really on a mission to support recovery in America, I want to share with you a company called Clean Cause. And Clean Cause, it's a beverage company. It's a sparkling yerba mate drink with 160 milligrams of better caffeine. 50% of the profits support individuals in recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. And I don't know one person that is not either directly impacted or indirectly, which means, listen, it's all of our responsibilities to support people and help them and get them into recovery. You know, I love the story of, of the creator. He had his own battle with drugs and alcohol. He had an epiphany. Not only did he want to recover himself, but he wanted to create something to help others. And this is a new company and they have already given out 1,500 sober living scholarships, purchasing power. You know, you're still going to get what you want, but now you know that it goes towards something good and helps, you know, your brothers and sisters. So they are available nationwide at Whole Foods and on Amazon, or you can go to cleancause.com. That's C-L-E-A-N-C-A-U-S-E.com. And at checkout, if you put in the code Gabby, G-A-B-B-Y, they'll give you 20% off your next purchase. And it's delicious. They have low sugar and no sugar flavors. They've got blackberry, watermelon, mint, peach, and cherry lime. And they are really putting their money where their mouth is. So go check out Clean Cause. Most people are probably taking closer to 10, 12, and 15 breaths yeah, 15, a minute. 15 to 20. Right? Yeah. Is it that high? Yeah. Average is 10 to 14, but okay. more people are and, in the 15 plus range. And I think it's, if you if you sort of naturally can't tune in, what I always tell people is if you just take your finger and put it on your lower belly, and as you re inhale through your nose, almost just push your belly out. Because right. you sort of connect that feeling. Because you... We we're all breathing into our chest, right? And we don't realize it when we think, "Oh, I'm breathing. It's breathing fine." So, Mark, if I if I mm-hmm. wanted to go deeper, sure, into this journey, I mean, we have an XPT app. I'm not here just to push the app. <laughs> yeah. That that everyone sitting at this table will can run you through a guided breathing um, routine, whether it's to you know get you ready for the day, calm you down for sleep, things like that. Mm-hmm. Are there any books or things um, or or even some people might say, well, uh, pranayama yoga or things like that. Are there things that, you know, if people wanted to explore it more, they could look into? I think I know one we use is uh, The Oxygen Advantage, yeah. which kind of, it, it's a real simple book to read because it, it gives just a foundational idea of why we should breathe through a nose, mm-hmm. what are the simple uh, mechanical tools to help you breathe and feel where that breath is going. And also gives you the ability to help correct some breathing dysfunctions, whether it is asthmatic, whether it is other, some of these things can be right, sleep reversed, apnea. sleep apnea yeah. can be reversed and and even corrected through simple uh, reprogramming of your breath. And and, and, and I think that's that's really important for and people. for children. It's really important for yeah. so if you have kids mm-hmm. that they sh- when they're sleeping for their jaw, myofascial development, all these things yeah. that they're breathing through their nose. So Absolutely. they have even soft tapes, little mouth things. I mean, right. it's a hassle, but these are things. And, and for people who are going, oh, yeah, right, it really makes a difference. I want to say I know PJ and Mark pretty well, and these are people who don't believe things just because someone tells them. 
there's a lot of science, there's a lot of data, and you'd be surprised just by breathing correctly how how much space you make in your life. Yeah. Like you're saying, PJ, yeah. for this next, maybe you go, okay, now let me look at, maybe I have a 30-minute window to get some movement in. And, and, and so we've got the breathing, and what I love about breathing is it's free and you can do it anywhere. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's the essence of life, right? <laughs> and it's so impactful too. I mean, I, I was tell, talk, laughing about this yesterday because I drove up to my physical therapist that I see in Pasadena because I have some rib pain, some neck pain, all, all of these little aches that are coming out in jujitsu that I'm trying to figure out. Guess what my rehab is? It's all breathing exercises. Interesting. To put my rib cage back in the right position, which is going to help my shoulder work better, which will then lead to my neck better. All of the things start and i mean literally my rehab is laying on the ground doing breathing exercises and mm-hmm. I, I was laughing to myself it's so kind like, of ironic really yeah go like to the, guy this is what i've spent breathe. the past <laughs> almost three years now researching and teaching right. but there's still so much more and the little tweaks that he had based that were individually to me which i didn't see because I'm so busy looking at other people. I'm sure. not doing self-assessments yeah. and all those things as much as I should. So I think that's the I one expect thing. Mark to come I, in and tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. Oh yeah, because you'd I receive will, that very well. I will 100% tell you everything. There'd be a wrestling match right away. <laughs> but I think another thing as well is finding something to stack it against because we talk about um, stacking habits or stacking uh, chores. Mm-hmm. So if you can find space to breathe while you're doing something else, whether you're commuting, mm. that's a great place to bring awareness to your breath. When you're doing, you know, housework, that's a really good time to kind of focus. Oh, you yourself do a lot breath. of housework, yeah, Mark. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I mess it up purposely so that, yeah, it's a good cycle. Yeah. No, but you're right because also there's these moments where it's an active meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and to go back to what what I think people have to realize is. And I know for all of us, we want to enjoy our lives and the things we enjoy, you know, that we want to do that are fun for us. And you need your body to be healthy enough to do that. But really at the end of the day, why we're trying to be healthier is I just think it help, it makes your life better. It, this isn't about like, do you see my muscles? This is about, you know, like yesterday I've, I flipped my switch at Brody. Can you imagine? No. What? <laughs> <laughs> Brody is my youngest daughter. And um, if anyone can get you to flip your switch. I think it's a sport for her. I'm not it, quite sure. I, I mean, the hook, I swallowed the hook. Let me just tell you, there was no breathing. I was mouth breathing. It was 20 breaths, you know, every 30 seconds. And uh, no, for real, I, you know, if there was a money jar, there would have been hundreds in there at that point. Is really when we talk about vitality and, and wellness, it's mm-hmm. about us as people, not, you know, a picture on a magazine cover mm-hmm. and I'm six pack abs and all that nonsense. It's it's yeah. first and foremost about that. So, okay, so I bought into the breathing and now I'm ready. I feel ready to take on, you know, another part of, another piece of the puzzle. And what, what for you is priority? For me is movement capability or being able to move within an appropriate range of motion through your, your, your major joints, ankles, hips, thoracic spine, and your shoulders kind of, are they stable but mobile at the same time? Mm-hmm. So the first priority will be just mobilize. Get range of motion in your joints. Can you move through your joints with efficient and appropriate range of motion? If then the answer is yes, can you then do the same thing under slight load? Because as soon as you start to add load into that, that's when you start to find the mechanical breakdown. Yeah. So you might be able to move very well just in your own body, but with any kind of load, placed upon it, then that's where we start to find those kind of dysfunctions. 
keep in mind whether your your hips aren't lined properly you don't have mobility in your your ankles which affects how your spine and your angles when you're there's a lot of things that can happen by just simply adding five pounds to any kind of movement but um, how, how do i approach this i've been let's say i'm sedentary mm-hmm. yeah and i feel overweight right i have got some extra pounds on me mm-hmm. i'm not feeling particularly comfortable or mobile what are some beginning things elements i can add into my daily life to maybe get me aware or a little more conscious of this mobility i'd say step one for people who are sedentary start moving so yeah. walking find- Find whatever is the least, the path of least resistance for you. Mm-hmm. So some people who are really heavy yeah. probably shouldn't start running on the treadmill or no. going to a high intensity class, start walking, start swimming, start riding a bike, whatever you find that you enjoy. You know, I'm mm-hmm. working with someone right now who likes to watch Netflix and ride the bike at the gym. Like That's way better than sitting on your couch. Yeah, so right. let's start there. And once you build the habit of that, you start to enjoy that, you'll start to lose a little weight because you haven't been doing anything. So starting something is going to carry over. Then it's beginning to add the other pieces and understanding, like Mark was saying, the different capabilities that that we're supposed to have as humans. You should be able to walk and run and crawl and move side to side and jump and land and push up and pull. If you can't do those things, then you kind of just assess where you are. My recommendation when it comes to that is usually find a guide, whether that's mm-hmm. a class or a group of people that you know, a personal trainer or some somebody who has some expertise who can help you because it can be very daunting. And yeah. the biggest limit, limitation is when people get hurt, then they stop. So you don't want to go out and, and that's why I'm hesitant on classes because people- Yeah, they go hard and then you all of a sudden have hard. pressure of competition yeah. and you want to keep up and all of these things. If you've been on the couch for five years, three days of 60 minute high intensity interval training is not the first step for you. What, what do you say to people who go, you know, I go to the gym all the time and I'm watching what I'm eating and um, my body doesn't change. Because you, you see that a lot. The majority of people that you see in a gym mm-hmm. are- running at a mediocre pace right. they're not really they're not going slow enough to learn to motor neurons they're not learning anything specifically because they're not going slow enough but they're not going hard enough to really adapt to anything so they're kind of just stuck in this gray area of just doing your body is comfortable so it doesn't have to adapt to any strenuous activity whether it's like heavier load training or conditioning or cardio they're not pushing themselves to a point of discomfort mm-hmm. they're just doing it so would, would you say hey listen don't do cardio four days a week do it twice but do it so that you have a very high heart rate at least right. your heart rate's going high mm-hmm. once in a while yeah. like really high mm-hmm. uncomfortable yeah you've i mean got to change the stress right if you if you be continuing to get the same result you have to do something different you you're going to continue to get that result if you keep doing it i i think the first question on people who are sedentary, just do something. Yeah. But once you do that, there always has to be the next level, the next level, if you want to continue to see progress. So a right. lot of people who do go to the gym and- Yeah, they get good at something they and then the they go- They the same diet, they mm-hmm. do the same workout, you know, and they, they do the same machines for the same weight and the same amount of time on the treadmill. You're going to keep, your body is just going to plateau and get used to that. And that's your new normal. So what will no longer move. What does that look like? That looks like I'm going to go, I'm either going to add more weight, add pace, do something completely different. 
What are the other elements that would you, sort of create an opportunity for real change? I think I think time the, duration. Well, well, yeah, those are all the, those are all physical barriers that can either be keep you back from your your goal or mm-hmm. your 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 challenge, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. or they can be you know the determining factors of how you advance. But I think the big picture that we miss is your intent. Mm-hmm. Like, what's your intent? Like, what do you what do you want from this? Like, you go to the gym. If I go to the gym, I go in. I have a very clear understanding of what I want to do because I've already written it down, or someone has given it to me, or I've bought a program that I know that I want to achieve, mm-hmm. and I follow it to the T. And if it tells me that I need to go this hard, I make sure that I go that hard. Like, I need to have intent behind what I'm doing. But it's uncomfortable. But, but it's okay. Un- both it's of you know this yes. better than me. I would say. Mm-hmm. We people do not like to be uncomfortable. That's the problem. They do not <laughs> want to touch that curtain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's looking, the breathing makes you have to look inside. Mm-hmm. How am I feeling? How are my relationships? How am I treating people? How are people treating me? How's my work? Is this what I want to be doing? All of these things, which is the hardest work, right? Is the inside, For the in, interior Absolutely. work. People don't want to look at it, right? So I'll drink alcohol. I'll eat whatever food mm-hmm. and just kind of go Watch on cruise TV, control, right? Yep. Numb out. Mm-hmm. And then the other discomfort is the physical movement, which in a different way is hard, um, but it's still external. And so I guess this is the, the other part of this equation, which is I actually think you can start to touch the curtain of physical discomfort if you're also willing to take a look at yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to say, why am I always trying to be the same and keep it safe, you know, not break out of, of the envelope? Is there relationships I need to mend or sever? Mm-hmm. Is there things I need to be accountable for? Am I doing stuff that I hate and I really want to do something else? So I think, you know, these things happen a lot of times together. It's almost like, you know, kind of come to Jesus with yourself. Yeah. You know, that touching, that discomfort, pain, but but the reward is um, immeasurable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people, because we're programmed to seek comfort, mm-hmm. a lot of people are afraid of the discomfort because they think intuitively, this isn't right. This doesn't feel good. I, this hurts. This is, I don't I don't right. like this, so I'm just going to go to be comfortable because that's what we're designed to seek because right. it keeps us safe. Our biology, but we don't live like that. Exactly. Right. Now we're, we're in a very comfortable society, so right. comfort is the antithesis of growth. So you're if you're seeking comfort all the time, whether that's in your relationships or in your mentally and in, internally or physically, every time you choose comfort, you're not you're therefore not choosing growth. So I think mm-hmm. when people understand that that's okay to be uncomfortable and they start to change that thought pattern, yeah. then and and people find that in different ways. So some some of them find it because we throw them in the ice bath. Some of them find mm-hmm. it because they jump into a a workout class and they're around yeah. a bunch of other people who they're like, wow, okay, these people are functioning humans and they're kind of where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And they're here seeking discomfort all the time. Yeah. And it, not in a sick way. I think you can go too far with that. Sure. Too. We've it seen that. An addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, that's like, know. they always say like, what are you running from? Like right. I ran 50, I do ultra. It's like, what are you running from? Like <laughs> yeah. that, you know, the, right. the ongoing of that. And I think people have to realize it doesn't have to be hours and hours, mm-hmm. just a little bit. And I think a little bit each day. I think you have to meet yourself each day. And it also makes the habit of going to that place yeah. a little easier. I think it's 
to once when we start something, any, anything really, a new habit or a, a new venture, I think the first two weeks or three weeks even yeah. are the most important. It's, mm. it's, it's a chore. You have to work around your day. You're trying to fit it in. Like you're trying to make as many excuses as you can to kind of do something else other than the thing that you want to do, which is a weird thing. So for two weeks, you have to force yourself to fit it into your life. Mm. After then, you have that like that moment of where it, it switches to being, I have to get this in and I will create my day around this thing. Yes. And there's a switch and it happens, but it's really hard to get to that point because it's a very abrasive two weeks of that mental, like, oh. Oh, I, I, he- I heard something. This. Listen to yeah. this. I heard that if you told someone, hey, continue to act how you act and you know what the outcome will be, whatever scenario you want to talk about, sure. whether it's food, relationships, whatever, or do something that is different and you will eventually have a better outcome, they actually would prefer to stay with the status quo because yeah. they know it. There's and actually so- a study, a medical study, mm-hmm. where doctors told people, if you don't change X habit, mm-hmm. you're gonna die. So whether it's smoking, yeah. not mm-hmm. exercising, whatever, these are elderly people. And I think two out of seven or two out of nine people actually changed. Yeah, And that's, hey, here's a clear path. You yes. will die at the end, but people are, so resistant to that change. But it's programming, and that's why I want to talk about it, because I think it isn't about feeling guilty or bad or shameful. It's about being aware that it is somehow ingrained in all of us, and that unless we participate in going against what seems to be pretty natural and biological, we will end up at a place that we don't want to be. Yeah, It isn't about like, well, what's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with you, but you've got to participate in the outcome being different. It's just, that's the way it is. The idea of change scares people so much. It's like, I am so comfortable. Yeah. I am so familiar with who I am in this point. I'm not quite sure who I'm going to be yeah. if I change. And who I might need to also ditch. Yeah. yeah. What am I going to have to get rid of? Am I going to stop eating that thing that I love? Right. Am I going to be this guy who just eats broccoli every day? Yeah. I don't want to do that. So therefore I'm not going to go down that Mm -hmm. path. Yeah. I think Mark's point about the first few weeks are crucial because you're learning how to remove the friction points and you're getting those little rewards at the end. Right. We all know every day that I want to go to jujitsu at night, I don't want to go. It's 6.30 at night and I'm like, I'm tired, maybe I'll just stay. But I just convince myself, just go, just Just pack your stuff and go. Because I know when I come home, every single time I'm so glad that I went. So I have to remind myself that it's going to be that I'm gonna get that reward. And once you start to do it a few times and you feel that you get that, then you learn how to remove the friction. And yeah. you know what? I'm just gonna set my bag out. I'm gonna get my clothes ready. Yeah. Yeah. At 6 p.m. when my last phone call is done, I'm literally just gonna pick up my stuff and go and yeah. not give myself the opportunity to sit down and turn the TV on or do anything that's gonna distract me from that. So I think that's really important because you're you guys are professional at this and to hear that it's sort of always a part of the deal. Maybe you get better at it and you do take the emotion out of it and you do create the system for success. However, it's really important for people to know that it's just also part of it. Yeah, and, it, you know? and not to judge it. No, you know? no, just to go, oh, there's that feeling. Yeah. yeah, I get it. I told myself I was gonna train jujitsu at 6 a.m. <laughs> or at 7 a.m. four times this week. And my alarm went off four times. I went one day. Really? This morning. The other times, like, because like, we were, you knew you were going to see Mark and I. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably it. And I, but, it was just, yeah, I knew I was going to. And then, how do you feel at eight o'clock a.m. 
when the was, class was probably done. I yeah, don't know how long it is. I was but. super bummed that I missed it. Yeah. And I wasn't any more well rested because I got that extra hour of sleep. I right. actually feel better today getting up earlier and going to do that yeah. than I felt those days where I slept in for an extra hour and then went on with my day. So I think it's building those kind of consistent things and, yeah. and just doing them. And I, and I like the, there's something that a book Mark and I both read called Atomic Habits yeah. that really leaks into every area of my life, which is about, uh, he says, you only have to win the majority of the votes. So yeah. if over the course, now this week I kind of failed the majority of those <laughs> votes, but if over the course of this month, mm. yeah, I made the decision to go do that thing more times than not, I'm on the path I want to be. So it's not judging that time right. yesterday when I just didn't do it. Well, you know, what's interesting too, is if I talk to you in four weeks, maybe the fact that you in your mind kind of blew it this week created a different trajectory towards an overall success for sure because of that. So I think it's also looking at it from all those points of view to support where, what am I trying to accomplish? Yeah. So, okay. Another element, another building block, what's next? Is it food? Is it sleep? What is it? Uh, I think food should definitely come into play. The, the um, drug of choice. The yeah. drug of choice. It's the hardest one. It, it is. is. It really you is. Got, you can confess it first, is. you PJ. You like candy. Yes. PJ, I what? Love candy. Uh, can and, and and PJ, you you guys can see in video clips. He's very fit and he's looks av- great. Averagely and, buff. He is, and he has a shirt on today. It's like him and Larry when they have shirts on. People are like shirts. Yeah. Um, I look like PJ. I would walk around with my shirt off. And Mark, do you have? A, I don't. You're pretty moderate in the food area. Uh, no, I don't. What's know. your I, thing? No way. What a I, what a I, pub or a, a cheeseburger pu- or what good, is it? A good pub cheeseburger. Like I am. I've never been stuck as food being the thing that I need to change. It's never. It's never really. Not that I. Not that I don't think I have anything to change about my nutrition because I, I absolutely do. That's a constant also. Work Mark and I have been on many can, candy binges in, <laughs> in hotels yeah. after, after teaching after XGT and yeah. telling everybody how to be healthier yeah, and great. Let's go down to the lobby and buy all the candy yeah. bars that they let's have. Let's get a CVS. And Shots all around. Those. But look, I, I, um, I need to do a way better job. I, I am starting to do a way better job. Mm-hmm. Um, Culturally, for me, uh, a way to blame um, it on the culture. Hey, it's ingrained in my DNA. <laughs> a good old-fashioned beer, self-limiting mm-hmm. beliefs yeah. um, that we need to get over. Yeah, that's just always be, that's just that's always been one of my my biggest crutches is my ability to let go of that nutrition. Yeah, and well, and also so, if we can sort I, of look healthy, it, it and we're willing to work really hard then we sometimes go, well, you know, this isn't going to. Yeah. But you know, without getting you know too too heady. For me, I'm not eating sugar because I'm worried about pounds as much as how I makes my joints feel. I do feel inflammation, the overall picture of your health of your body when you eat tons of sugar, things like that. So I also think it's like flipping it um, and getting people to just, I, I used to say, okay, when I eat something, am I eating it because it's just so good and for enjoyment? Or am I eating it because I'm stressed out or sad or bored or for another reason other than I've been exercising on a regular basis. My overall nutrition has been spot on. Yeah. And I'm at the best Italian restaurant in town and they make homemade pasta or whatever. I want to enjoy that. Go for it. I think that yeah. that is the time. But to use food as a substitute for these other things, you know, I went to a market. It's not set up for people to be successful. 
No. And so this is another thing. You know, when you always hear, I, I'm I'm a big believer in in being accountable, self accountability. Mm-hmm. However, I will say that the systems overall, whether it's work, driving a car, sit in a chair, um, have a lot of stress, have distractions on telephones and electronics and television, and the grocery store, it is not set up via cost or appeal no. for people to be successful. No, it's designed for you to fail because yes. it puts money in a lot of people's pockets. A lot, and it's bad. And by the way, yesterday I went to one of those very big box stores and it is way less expensive to eat the stuff that tastes good, but will kick your ass in 15 different ways. For 15 different hours. <laughs> it's, well, and yeah. no, just on like, Okay, so I'm yeah, weight gain is just one part of it. Well, emotional mood, mood is the I mean, one. the whole thing. And so I come to you, I'm uninformed about food. Yes, I can find everything on the internet, whether it's vegan or vegetarian. Yeah. You know, I'm agnostic about this. I mean, I do think, you know, there's a way to do both well. How do I start? Because the other thing too, oh, by the way, usually takes a little more time. Oh, yeah. by the way, it takes more cut, time. If you cut everything out, more planning. You might suffer greater yeah. too. It's more expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it's, these are the obstacles when you talk about mm-hmm. taking away these pressure points or you know points of pain for people. It's like trying to consider all of that, how much it costs, how much time, what tastes good, the food addiction, you know, all the stuff that's in there that you're just like, I want that. Yeah. How do we help people navigate in a real way, in a very basic, realistic way, just to do it better, to serve themselves. I think your point before is, is something that I've connected a lot more with recently about being more mindful of the choice because the system, the, the more I learn about psychology, the more I see that these big companies are paying people to understand this stuff about how your brain works and then feed you what's gonna drive you to buy their garbage. Mm-hmm. So it's it's literally set up to confuse you and for you to fail so you buy the cheap stuff that's not good for you. So it's hard, but I think the first step is when you become mindful of why am I making this choice? Because most of the choices we make around food are unconscious and they are to satisfy one of those emotional issues mm-hmm. or needs or something. So when we bring the consciousness to it, it allows you to at least stop. And, and interject that thought. And mm-hmm. then, like you said, people know the difference, but there are challenging, you know, I know that the salad is always going to be better than the fried chicken and French fries for my yeah. all things health, performance, wellness, but it's hard to make that decision. It's just not as good. Yeah, so, Absolutely. but if you stop and think about episode. it, then again, maybe once you choose that, but you become more mindful of it, I think that's a big step. Mm-hmm. But for the grocery store thing, the, the, the tip that I think I heard when I was in high school, mm-hmm. you know, shop around the outside, the outside perimeter. That's where I spend all my time. And, mm-hmm. I, and I watch people as they walk through the grocery store and I see their carts, mm-hmm. parents with their kids, and everything in the cart is frozen stuff and packaged sodas and yeah. packaged things. And I'm like, but they don't know. They're just feeding that garbage and then you don't really yeah. know why you have these health issues or all, all of the problems that people are facing. And they don't actually think they're in control of it. See, this is the other thing I, I would I would really want to highlight, which is we actually can participate so much in how we're feeling and looking. And I think we get to a place where we feel that we're it's it's hopeless or helpless. And I can't really, I mean, that's just the way I'm built or yeah, yeah. those are my family genetics. Right. My culture. Correct. Real food over 
packaged and processed food and food that lives forever, whatever that is. So if you're, if you are a vegan or a vegetarian, whatever, at the dairy that we have in our markets, most of it probably doesn't serve us Mm -hmm. that well. I don't think it's necessary when people go, well, my kid's getting calcium from milk. Well, no. It's, it's, you know. But they're iron deficient, so actually we, it's just, it's always right. like. So what do we say to them? We say, hey, listen, try to drink only coffee and water, mm-hmm. you know, and make a, a drink something, you know, if you had a sugary drink, more of a treat. Yeah. For your kids, juice, most juice is pretty much the same as having a soda. It's yeah. garbage. So don't do it. I saw something the other day in the market. I went into mm-hmm. what's known as a health food market. Oh, yeah. Okay. The mom was standing with a son and this was like a very normal, hardworking lady. And she was trying to make a better choice. And she said to her son, are those organic? They were like cheese puffs. And by the way, I have kids. I'm sure you can go in my cabinet right now and there's chips. There is. Um, Now, are they grain-free and they're cooked in avocado oil? Yeah, probably. Um, And maybe some of them aren't. However, what I was thinking was that some somewhere in there it was like canola oil or vegetable oil so they were organic but it's even understanding what what oils do we want we want avocado oil olive oil and coconut oil mm-hmm. pretty much yeah we the, to stay clear yeah. if we can as much as we can of other the garbage correct yeah. um you know more vegetables I mean, this is where I completely agree with things like, you know, game changers or being vegan or vegetarian. When you're consciously eating more vegetables, you probably can't go wrong. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it, and I think when you start doing that stuff, the, the big issue people run into is they create these what if scenarios of like, well, I just went to Whole Foods and I spent $200. I can't afford to spend $200 on groceries every time. Yeah. And I always tell people, you're going to learn just like you learned how mm-hmm. to buy all the stuff you buy now and, and eat in your budget, you're going to figure out how to make meals that taste better, yeah. how yeah. to enjoy certain things, how to get the cheaper version of whatever you're getting. You will learn that down the road. Yeah. If you, it's almost like just pretend that all of that other stuff was removed. It's gone from your life. It doesn't exist. Yeah. So you have one choice. Don't eat or go buy these things Yeah. and you'll figure it out. You'll and- solve that problem and you'll, You'll go on living. You won't spend all your paycheck on it. You'll figure out how to eat it. You know, your body will adapt to whatever you continue to do. So if you just force it through, like Mark said, for food, it's probably a little more than two weeks. Right. Food is heavy because we do it several times a day. We overeat, by the way. We so need, we we so don't need as many calories as we eat each day. I mean, we, we overeat, period, all of us. And it's social and we do it for a number of reasons. And I actually think if all you can get is some snack in a bag, it might be better not to eat yeah. at that moment. Like right. if you're in an airport, um, maybe drink some water. And, you know, nobody wants to, this goes back to the suffering though. Yeah. Nobody wants to feel for a few minutes bored or uncomfortable. Right. Meaning if I'm not eating, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. I and that know, little I hunger pain is yeah. like, I'm starving. Yeah. My, my body's not going to function. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, and that's, that's where all of those things, that's why I'm a, I'm a big fan of fasting. Yeah. Outside of all the physical benefits, I think people should fast just to learn that you're going to survive. You can still function. You can still work. You yep. can still perform physically. You could eat, not eat anything for 24 hours and you'll notice the first time you do it because your, your brain is programmed. But 
the little marginal changes in, in performance, the things that we believe are going to, you'll realize that you didn't die. Well, we talk about PJ when, when people start to use the term hangry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's Andy Galpin's favorite. Yeah. He's right. like, all oh, bullshit. Yeah, that's it, just bullshit. It, you, can, it you can go without a meal or that's two. That's not a real thing. That's no. not a real thing. Just because you're, you know, you're, you're excusing your, your mood or your, your sharpness. I had a based friend recently who said three hours of not eating. Like, come on. <laughs> she said she was angry and emotional because she had carbs and she doesn't usually eat carbs. And I was like, that's not a thing. Maybe she was getting her cycle or something. Yeah. Again, <laughs> yeah, that's a, another that's reason. A, <laughs> it had nothing to do with the carbs. So don't put, you, you could be having a bad day. But let's not say that it that's was right. the mm-hmm. handful of French fries that you had that caused this behavior, because that's a but it does go back excuse. to aware self awareness. Mm-hmm. It yeah. goes back into what's going on with me in my life. You know, sometimes I'll even have if I've had Mark knows this story. Like I had this day where for whatever reason I had literally I try not to have too many conflicts with people, just my children mostly. Well, Brody mostly. Um, <laughs> Reese and I come at each other and we're like, ah, no, we don't want to do that. I love you. Um, no, we'll uh, save it for Brody. Yeah. yeah. Is I had three sort of run-ins. They weren't big run-ins, but they were like mini dramas. And I and I said, I gotta stop. I have to stop my day right now. And yeah. I need to see what's going on with myself because I something's going on with me that I'm creating all these dynamics around. And I think if people can do that, like, oh, uh, why am I blaming it on French fries? It's like, well, what's yeah. really, what, how am I feeling? What's going on? Am I upset about something? Um, and that's what the nice thing about having pretty good habits is it makes locating that, that source a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it resets your gauge. Yes. So you're aware when something is-, is A little off. off, right? Right, yeah. So with the food people, I want to say, do it. You've got to have your family on board or your partner, your lover, whatever. Yes. You have to be on board. I'd say strategize, write it out. If you plan your meals, because, you know, I call it the bread basket rule. If we go to eat and I'm starving, right? Starving, because I hadn't eaten in like four hours. Yeah, yeah. And they bring the bread basket. If I haven't pre-decided before they put the bread basket down, I'm not going to eat the bread. Yeah. Um, I'll eat the bread. Mm-hmm. I've left the decision kind of floating in the air. Like, oh, yeah. I might, I may not. If I feel like it, I will. Oh, there's some olive oil on the side. So what I say to people is you, you, you can't give yourself that freedom. Yeah. Because it isn't about you're a good person or a bad person, or you're disciplined or you're non-disciplined. It's about, this is what we have to deal with. Yeah, yeah. willpower is an exhaustible resource. And when you're hungry, tired, stressed, those are the times that it's at its lowest. Yeah. So that's why people make poor decisions at the end of the workday. Yeah. They eat bad food, they make poor relationship decisions, they get in fights, all that stuff happens because you've already exhausted all your willpower for mm. the day. Yeah. And then you're trying to sit down at the table and the bread comes out and you're like, screw it, I'm just gonna yeah. eat it. I don't that could be something good. Two glasses or you go wine. to the grocery store and you're hungry, you're tired, and mm. you're just like, that is yeah. what I want to eat. Yeah. I usually get a bag of chips and I <laughs> yeah. eat them Oh, the chips whole are way so good, aren't they though? What Laura, I and, I started, Laura and I started to do, because we decided- cause it was Laura's before, Mark's wife. Laura's my wife. And baby mama. Um, baby mama. Um, we we decided that we needed, to just, we needed to change it up because we spent all our mm. efforts on creating an incredible nutrition profile for my son, Fox. Yeah, Fox is healthy and you guys are going to He's hell. He's super healthy. <laughs> and we're just like, that looks delicious. You know? <laughs> so we decided like, okay, we need to take control. We need to figure out. So we got a bunch of uh, a bunch of books, you know, for like uh, vegetarian books. We got yep. a bunch of healthy eating books. Ideas. And we started to 
create it as a hobby for ourselves. We're like, okay, let's let's actually explore what cooking is. Let's re-engage in our connection to food, how we prepare food, how we treat each other while we're preparing food. Mm. It became an actual enjoyable time when we find a recipe that we we thought that's a really interesting recipe let's let's do that so then we'd go to the grocery store with a plan yeah and we'd only buy the ingredients for the recipe yeah so it cuts down on waste because that's one of the biggest things that we do is i hate that we just end up throwing out a bunch of like oh what's that oh it's a bag of apples that went rotten because yeah. we bought, you know so we just decided to pick three or four recipes for the week challenging for us because mm-hmm. then we get to you know play around the kitchen write down the recipe, go to the store, pick up the recipe, knowing that it's going to serve us for that week. And that kind of really started to help us kind of reconnect with how food made us feel on a on a personal level to each other because we find it really enjoyable to spend each other time with each other in the kitchen, mm. you know, chopping, having conversation. We actually had conversations about our day, about what we want to do. Fox, my son, he can then see us interacting together can see that we have a relationship with food so it just starts this and i think it goes back to what we can talk about community community let's start creating a community let's bring people into your suffering because when you suffer together that's when we find that people actually bond they feel better about themselves because there's a cause that's greater than i'm not just trying to feed myself i'm trying to feed my family or i'm trying to bring my family into something that i'm suffering with so that we can all share it so i think that goes along whether we're talking about food or whether they're talking about um fitness or movement it's like bring people in yeah and suffer with them because pj and i went through a lot of brain chemicals when we were talking about fitness just to try and understand like what does it mean to suffer with someone yeah and and what it means is your body actually rewards you with endorphins with oxytocin with with all these different brain chemicals to reward you saying hey good job you're doing great here's a little dose of some of the good some stuff, of the good feel stuff. Good yeah feel good hormones so yeah. do it again you're doing a good job yeah whereas if we start doing things that are negatively you know we we review or see as ourselves doing something negative your brain starts to go nah you're a loser why are you doing this and then we start to get that inner talk and inner conversation where you're just like ah give mm-hmm. up nah it's easier just to do this way and then you're just like this solo suffering being yeah that's always going to have this negative self-talk it's it's been interesting when you talk about cooking. I've cooked a lot in 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 the house, obviously, and it's been a really interesting thing this year. Reese, my mm. our sixteen year old, started busting out dinner, and beautiful dinner. I'm talking like roasted veggies and like salmon, beautiful dinner. And I and you know you always wonder like, are they watching? Do they know? It, it's like it's also the magic of of having that language with other people and passing it on mm-hmm. and. And knowing also she can go out into the world and do it for herself yeah. is really important. And I know this is a, a side note, but we always talk about fresh, fresh, fresh. And a lot of people might live in a place where they don't have a lot of diversity and fresh things available. Sure. Frozen organic vegetables are better than not. Sure. So don't be afraid of that. They're readily available. I mean, you can go to most markets and they have them. Yeah. So I just, I wanna encourage people to put together that strategy and and really try to do it together. You can't do it alone. And by the way, if you fall off, it's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. Just say, "Oh, okay, I see what's happened," and uh, and and move on. But that is a is a big part. It and so the other, well, I guess three sort of prongs would be your sleep and hydration and stress management. Yeah, I would yeah. think. Am mm-hmm. I missing something? Well, yes, yeah, sleep super important, and, and yeah. stress management I think ties into all those things. Yeah. The the other one that Mark was mentioning is the community and the connection piece. Well, that that's I the think, glue. 
Yeah, none and, of us. We've already talked about it. None of us are an island. Yeah, and I think sometimes when people live in cities, especially, it's pretty isolating. You know, you you. Oh, you're never so alone in. And with so many people around you, yeah. you never feel so alone. Or behind a big concrete. gate, right? Yeah. Like you have all these people, like people live in these big houses and mm-hmm. they're not only separated from their own family because yeah. there's so much space, but now there's a wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think to actively go out and um, and pursue this community and doesn't have to be a big community. And and I've, I've talked about this a lot where a lot of times the people that are in my everyday community, I'm actually not like, oh, best friends with, and I don't do social things with them. We gather for the purpose of that activity. And I think people don't have to confuse, well, I'm not really good friends with them. No, but you have the same goal. And you have you can have your friends, like people you go to the movies with or mm-hmm. do something. That can be actually separate. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And I think that's the big challenge people have with changing things because mm-hmm. they're unwilling to change their environment or they think they understand that but they think that means disowning your family because I've worked with a lot of people who come from a traditional Mexican family. And every time we go to dinner, my mom makes all this food and, and I, and that can be tough. You know, they can be a difficult thing because it's hard to convince your grandma that all this food she's making for you is actually hurting your health because she's got her traditions and you don't necessarily, I think have to have that conversation, but you have to find ways to make boundaries if you want to change your life. If you just, blindly let this lead you, then, you know, you're going to keep getting that same result. And, and, and people make that excuse, right? right. They go to the yeah. family party. And oh, well, yeah, I have her. to eat my whole plate. Like, but you didn't have to have three. And also right. the three beers that you had and all that stuff, it, it, because it was comfortable and everyone else was doing it. So yeah. I think people are the most successful when they shape their environment. And it doesn't mean cut out everybody that you've ever cared about and, and just become friends with people at the gym. But no, you probably need to start hanging out with those people who are getting the result that you want if you want to start to go in that direction. Otherwise, you'll you'll. I, I think there's a there's a cool study about. Uh, I think the rehab rate for drug addicts when they go back to their environment is like 80, 90 percent sure. where they mm-hmm. they uh, relapse. Right. And they had a study on uh, soldiers coming back from Vietnam who were addicted to opium, and there was the complete opposite. Eighty to ninety percent kicked it, the habit completely because their environment that was creating them doing these drugs was Vietnam. When they came back, they were back to their regular life and they just moved on. Something else. Versus in today's society, when people go back to, they come out of rehab, it's the opposite effect. So I think that's a really good indicator of those people you're around are going to dictate where you end up. Yeah. And that's how it is no matter what. And with sleep and technology, you know, we've talked a lot about sleep hygiene. So a dark, cool room, um, turning your electronics off or not having them in your room at all. Like the hours, how important the hours before midnight are. I think people can go, well, I get eight hours. I go from like 11 to seven. It would actually be better to go from like 9.30, 10 Mm -hmm. to 6.30, 5.30, you know, six, the, the quality of sleep. Sure. I think for a lot of people, I think there is... There are kind of two pe- types of people. Mm-hmm. There are technically night people and morning yeah, people who, I've heard that. who sleep better, at least based on, uh, I think it's the book, Why We Sleep, mm-hmm. where they talked a lot about that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I completely agree with you because I think the people who do stay up later, you're not doing anything productive. Most of the people that I know personally, usually if they're up past 930, yeah. what you're doing from 930 to midnight is usually not something productive. And if it is, 
it's probably work-related that's not going to let you sleep very well. So right. it's not that you can never work in those hours, but I tend to find that most people who stay up till midnight, 9.30 to midnight is either spent on your phone, on TV, TV yeah, Netflix, on the computer. Netflix, so what if they say, okay, mm-hmm. my day, you know, my work is hard, and then I come home and I dedicate my time to my family, and the only time I get to enjoy is that little window of like I watch that show or I watch that you know that movie I mean that that's an interesting because that's a that's a hard space because you're talking about sleep quality but you're also self-care mm-hmm. like mental self-care yeah. for me sometimes that's where my space is yeah well you have a young child I, I that's a young child Laura and I both work from home for the most part so mm-hmm. I find a lot of my, a lot of the time where I find most of my space is either if I get up five in the morning when everyone's quiet okay. or if I stay up a little later and just do some more work there. I find that comfortable, but sometimes it, it affects me for the next day. Right. And I, I'm very aware of how it affects me the next day, so I don't try and make it a habit of being up late. I, I'll maybe once or twice a week, maybe, I'll stay up a little later, push that boundary to like 11. Yeah, Pfft. yeah. I don't even know what 11 looks like anymore, but I, yeah, for sometimes I'll stay up till about 11, but I'm very aware of how it makes me feel in the morning. Even yeah. if for for me, even if I get a solid eight nine hours of sleep, yeah, I still feel it. Yeah, I still I feel too. different than when I go to bed at seven thirty when I put Fox. When down. Fox goes down oh, and you go down, I'm like, so, look at look at the Bachelor uh, over here. Yeah. He's like, oh, oh, oh yeah, seven thirty. Just you can pray to seven thirty. I live with the sleep Nazi. You've never anyway, watched so the clock harder than the last hour yeah. of like a hard day with your son. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god it runs at 7 30 and at 7 30 like shut this place down and like the whole place like military compound like shut this place down bedtime going to bed and then you get up at six and you're like i could have even got seven hours i'm like Tch. i feel yeah. great i, I feel think really Mark's good honest with himself about it i think that's, that's the it. thing is are you just yeah numbing yourself with that two hours of tv every yeah. single night right and that habit and not getting the results you want right if if you say i'm headed in the direction i want to be during the day i'm spending the time with my family. I'm learning what I needed to learn that's going to get me where I want to go. I'm completing my work tasks. I'm doing my workout. All the things are getting done. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the day, I like to spend 30 minutes and just unwind by watching this show. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. If that's your honest, you know, everybody's got little outlets that they spend their time yeah. doing. And mm-hmm. it's just when that becomes the crutch or when yeah. you're not getting to the gym in the morning because you're not going to sleep till 1230. Right. And then you wake up at eight instead of six. And you're staying up till 1230 because you're watching three hours of TV or you're on your Twitter account. Yeah. Those are the things. Like very rarely do I run into somebody who yeah. is like. No, you want to get to bed. When you get up when, early and you yeah. train, you're like, I, I, I can go to bed. When, yeah. when Netflix tell, asks you if you're still watching. <laughs> <laughs> you've gone too, you've far. gone too far. When the TV, when technology is like, hey, man, are you okay? Yeah. It's like, we're still here. And I, I just I just want to check on you. It's been five hours and you haven't touched anything. <laughs> yeah, nothing's so, moved. So I want to I ask each of you to maybe share something I've observed about both of you uh, differently that I think is really important, which is version of this life, but in a different place. Mm. Uh, certainly you, Mark. Yeah. Um, and then PJ, you, you sort of really went for it. I'm always impressed individually how you guys sort of said, I think I would like to make that happen in my life. Because mm-hmm. we, we all feel this way. A lot of us go like, gosh, I have this thing I want to go for. I have this place I want to move to. I have this career I want to 
I want to try. Yeah. Mark, maybe, I mean, you not only obviously came from Ireland to the U.S. because of rugby, yeah. and then you were living in Chicago and, and you were part of a very successful training business. Mm-hmm. And then you moved your family out Ten to California. Old. Yeah. Away from your wife's family. Away from I'm anybody, just, yeah. Yeah, I'm just curious, you know, how you made that happen and why you felt like you could make that happen. Because it's not like, oh, that's easy. You're yeah. coming to a place with a ton of support. I mean, you had support, but it still right. was difficult. Was very comfortable. I had, uh, we'd built wattage, you know, over, yeah. over the course of, you know, years. And um, it was it was very comfortable. But then that's where my that's where my head goes. Your slow like, death was. Huh, this is comfortable. This is nice. You know, this is nice. Mm-hmm. I have like my apartment. I have Laura. I have my work. We've done really well. So we've got to the point at which we had foreseen ourselves to get to. Mm-hmm. And that's the point where I start to get that itch of like, okay, something. Oh, I need I need something more. Um, and I think I would have been okay with that because I was very involved with wattage but i think when my mom passed away yeah and when i went and spent you know that time with her that was a big kind of kind of earthquake in my 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 shake up my my mental kind of like okay who am i what do i want to do because i got to see who she was and i got to see where i was at that point i spent four months with her as she you know as she transitioned and and i guess the first time that i really had that moment of all right this is my life change is when i came out to one of the early experiences mm-hmm. you'd invited me out because we had done work together and you're yeah. like you got to come out to this experience and we were on the beach and Laird was taking us through a really heavy like heavy breath session and the waves were crashing it was, it was I mean and I'm not an emotional person yeah I know you're Irish but it's okay I'm accepting of that I saw you at your wedding I know you saw that flipped him out I didn't know what that feeling was I was like what the what is this uh so but I um yeah, we came to the end of this breath session and it was it was 45 minutes of a, a, a deep, deep breath session. I had I started having super inner conversations or, or very inward conversations with myself in that time. And then I had that four minute breath hold. Now that I know the science behind it, but at that time I just it was just the most profound moment. I had I was I I spoke to my mum, I saw her, I it was just the most profound. I don't need to go deep into you know what it was, but it was the most profound thing that ever happened to me. I came out and I just I wept. I yeah. was, it was a cry. It was yeah. just like I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and I just knew I had to go and just you know mull this over. And it was I think it was twenty minutes where I just spent on my own, just going, all right, this is it. But this did you did you feel like uh, okay? I I have these things I want to do. And it's irresponsible. I'm going to move my life. And like, weird, I guess what, I, what I'm trying to get down to is there's so many people who are living a life that is a reflection of them, mm-hmm. but they have other ways that they want to express themselves. But you get locked in with responsibility yeah. and I have bills and I have this and people get stuck. Yeah, I, I, I've, always, I've always been unafraid of the chaos and of that kind of that fearful chaos of, okay. you know, the life is very chaotic and I need to make sure that I have my my path that I'm very familiar with. I've never been afraid of stepping outside of that. So for me, it was very easy. I just had to convince Laura and, you know, it was very easy for me to make that decision of like, I, I want to be there. That's where I believe that I'm going to make the most growth. That is where I want to be. It was an easy decision to make, but I made sure that I, I did it over the course of two years. Got I it. made sure that I was So there's very a systematic prepared. way. There's a very systematic okay. way. It's like, 
I, I saw it. Mm-hmm. And I always like to envision things. I saw myself there. I saw myself at the bottom of the pool, floating aimlessly around with the dumbbells. And I said, you know, Laura, you know, would you want to go on an adventure with me? We'll have to uproot and leave. We're going to take Fox with us. Do you trust me? And she, luckily, I have, you know, a wife that was very, very willing to go on that adventure with me. She she put her trust in me. We came over and it wasn't that easy the first year. It was actually quite difficult mm-hmm. because we, were, we had this, a 10-month-old. We had no family. We had no friend connection other than, you know, yourselves. And and it was it was really, really difficult, but... It worked out. It worked out. And PJ, you kind of manifested where you're at. And, you know, long before I met you, you had, you know, created a successful business. And the reason I'm asking you is I just think you're both a good example of saying, I want to honor this idea and this dream I have inside and to encourage people that if they have this, that it's still, you can do it responsibly, but it's so important to do it. I've always been somebody who's been very passionate about the things that I do. And and was fortunate to find something that I could make a career that I was passionate about. So I've always chased that. And I, when Mark was talking, I was thinking about 20, I lost my best friend. And I think that changed something in me mm-hmm. that I just began like, I'm, I'm just gonna start going after things that I want. Cause who knows, you know, I, if I only make it to 30, I don't, I don't want to be saving things up for later or pushing things. And that doesn't mean be irresponsible, live every day like crazy. Um, but I was just like, I got to go for it now. I got to go for this now. I got to keep doing these things and, and chasing after these dreams that I have or these passions. And and then when I felt stuck, you know, it actually six months before I met you, I was I had been stuck for two years where I felt like I wanted to keep growing. I was mm-hmm. very comfortable. I was the top person. I was a big fish in a small pond. Everybody sure. at these company was coming to me for answers. So I was like, I don't feel like I'm learning. I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't feel challenged. This is, I could do this in my sleep. And mm-hmm. so I quit my job. I just started my own business. I was like, I got to do something different because this is no longer, I felt that desire that I had to get out. And the funny thing is I quit my job to start doing education, training coaches, doing all that stuff because I had built that when I first talked to Melby and mm-hmm. I came up here and met you guys, one, I had just built a curriculum for my own thing. And they said, this is what we're looking for at XPT. And I said, well, here's what I just did for my company. But two, when I met you, when I met Laird, when I met the, all the people who were at the pool that day, I felt like I was the least experienced, dumbest person in the room. I was way out of my comfort zone. And I left thinking, this is the next step for me. This is where I'll continue to grow and I'll continue to learn. And these are the type of people that I was looking for people who were also seeking that, you know, that's yeah. why I connect so well with Mark. That's why I connect so well with you and with Laird and everybody at XPT, because I was questioning myself. I'm like, am I crazy that I just want more? And I, do, I just can't accept yeah. the status quo. Uh, so when I met other people who were like that, I think that catapulted me in another trajectory, which is why I jumped so much into XPT because it was just like, this is what I've been looking for. This makes sense to me. But I, I want to say that, first of all, you two are some of the hardest working people I've seen. And I, I want to remind people, it's not about like, oh, I want to go do that. Mm-hmm. It takes thought and it takes a ton. It always takes work. I think for me, you know, as we start to wrap up this conversation is for people to think if they're going to avoid the work, yeah, 
it's not going to happen. They're not going to change their waistline. They're not going to change their career. They're not going to change their relationship dynamics without first some personal work and then whatever the external work, you know, is called for at that time, but not to be afraid of it. You know, Laird has a a saying that that I like very much, which is there's only one first day. You know, we're all afraid to do like the first day. And he's like, there's only one first day because you know, as as talented he as he is at so many things, he's the first one to just like go try it, and and I find that in both of you. And the last thing I want to ask both of you because I it's really interesting to observe is you're both alphas because there's people in companies, you know, they're working together and and everybody's make and you work with a bunch of alphas. Yeah. You guys have a really interesting flow where it's Mark's turn, he's in front. PJ will be like, oh, I'll I'll carry the the bag or yeah. whatever. Or there's PJ's time in front and Mark's like, okay, I'll I'll move to the side. Where do you think that comes from that you guys can be alphas? You are both alphas. You're comfortable with saying, oh, I'm here to be a supporting cast member right now. For me, I guess I learned a very long time ago, just through team sports, that mm-hmm. especially in rugby, ego, ego doesn't work. You're part of a bigger thing and you're part of a greater thing. And it takes a lot of people to make that thing work. And especially in rugby, if you step outside of your lines, you get checked quite quickly to be really comfortable with who I am and what my role is. Mm. And then make sure that I do very, I do a very good job at my role. So that was easy for me to transition and then to find someone. So when we started working together, our, our, our humor was kind of the same and it just felt really natural. And I look up to PJ because I, I find him to be a, an incredible coach, an incredible mm. person at what he does. And that is something that I want to learn from. So I'm constantly like, oh, I want to listen to him. I want him to be there so I can listen to him. And then for him to give me you know, space of my own and be yeah. like, all right, here's what I've learned. Here's what you've taught me. So it's almost like- But this is important to, to identify. You have what would be could be perceived as the same type of job. And a lot of times people are threatened by other people who do something similar or the same as them and they do it well. Mm -hmm. We have very similar backgrounds and skill sets as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think it's important, the celebration of people and like, oh, he, gosh, that's great. But it also comes from mutual respect and trust. Yeah. I think um, a level of respect, I think it's hard to bow down to somebody and say, no, lead the way if you don't really trust them. Mm -hmm. But I do find it interesting. You know, there was that Greek proverb, like the blacksmith hates the blacksmith. I think you can be liberated from so much when you're not comparing yourself to another person, especially if they are similar Mm -hmm. or in, you know, in certain ways, but celebrate them instead and learn from them. Yeah. I think I had some leaders early on in my career who treated me the opposite way. Yeah. So that helped me when I became a leader to, to do to to help the people who were underneath me and then build them up. So I think that helped create me as a leader. Yeah. But I don't think I had the security that uh, that I have now until coming in here with XPT, learning from you guys, seeing the way you do it, and then being fortunate to be around people who are really smart and really good at what they do. Because you can't just you know if somebody is right. continuously failing you can't just say well yeah. he's like I'm secure like, in what I do put this put well. them like you can't turn a chicken into an eagle right you can have yeah. a super chicken but you can't have an eagle <laughs> so i think chicken. listen it's all about being deducing and being you know mm-hmm. the right environment and the right people but i think great leaders also make it safe for people to thrive 
And then hopefully that everyone passes that on, like creating a safe environment versus I'm going to dominate you and take over. Because then again, there's no, do you know how much I've learned from the two of you? So then I'm selfishly, I can be like, well, my universe gets to continue to expand because I, I take that attitude. Well, first of all, thank you for your time. There's a lot more, but if there's anything else that you would want to say to somebody who's either kind of just going through the motions or really been, you know, struggling to get going, if you have anything else that you'd want to say. I think there was a point you made before that I wanted to say, because I think a lot of people uh, get stuck with it. And it was, it was talking about being consistent or going for it. And I think something that kept me going was understanding that most people won't do the work. So if you do want to get ahead, every position I ever had, every gym I went to, I always knew that I was going to show up and do it consistently, Mm. whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And I knew that nine out of 10 people aren't going to do that. So six months from now, I'm going to be ahead of some of them Mm -hmm. a year from now. And not that it's competition with them, but if you want to get to an end goal, just know that you have to just show up and do the work and you'll separate yourself from the pack. You'll get the result you're looking for, but you, you do just have to start doing the work. And I think you, you know, one of the mantras that I have is don't talk about it, be about it. Mm. Because I always thought of, oh, I want to, everybody says, I want to do this thing. I want to do that. I want to, you know, I, I talked about, uh, when we come back from vacation and everyone's like, oh yeah, I'm going to start learning that language. And I remembered coming back from Costa Rica and I was like, I really want to learn Spanish. And because I know that everybody says that, I was like, I'm signing up for classes. I'm going to do it. Cause I know everybody will say it. I want to be the person who does it, who takes the action, does the work. So I think that is something that for me also has given me the confidence of Mm -hmm. this is the type of person that I am. So when I do get that decision of, do I have the chicken fingers or the salad or do I have the, do I work out today or do I not? I can make the decision of this is, this is the person that I am. And then you only have to win the majority of those votes. So Ryan Holiday talks about, you have a body of evidence. Yeah. Like I've done this before. Maybe I don't know what I'm about to take on right now, but I have a body of evidence that I can show up on time. I can work hard and I have figured other things out. Yeah. Well, I like to, I like to, when I, when I'm coaching people or saying stuff, my, my whole thing is just think less, do more. Mm. Just don't think, don't give yourself an excuse to make all these different excuses. Don't think about it, just do it and then reflect upon it. Because it's going to be a learning curve no matter what. You're either going to learn that you did it well or if it's something that you need to work on. It's always going to be self-growth if you just do and then reflect upon that thing that you were wanting to do as Mm. opposed to let's talk my way out of it or believe like, you know, believe your your inner crap. Get lost in the analysis. Get lost in analysis. Just just do it. And then when you're done with it, go, hmm, I actually really enjoyed that or I did enjoy that. What can I learn from that? So always create that like, opportunity to learn your own body. Yeah. And I think my body of evidence is that's what I've always done. Yeah. So I have a, I know my limits and I know my limits are far. And I don't great. know if you have so many limits, Mark. <laughs> I don't have those. That's the thing. I know that they're, they're, oh God, they're Mark wide. Came, Mark was just getting over a cold the I other know day. I my limits. And he's like, yeah, I have no limits. Uh, the other day, Mark comes up to the pool and he, he's getting over uh, like a heavy duty cold but he has ideas, PJ. He has ideas about <laughs> drills, and all of us get to be his crash test dummy yeah, in, into the great. pool. 
I jumped in. It was painful. So I was like, oh, I'm going to make other people do this. Well, I'm going to have you guys come again. But I just, I wanted to at least, you know, sort of remind people because I think it is not about thinking you should know how to do it, that you should want to do it, or that it's easy. And it's about understanding that if you are kind and honest to yourself, but you put together some kind of strategy and infrastructure and you're willing to put the work in, that so much is possible. So I really appreciate you guys. Well, Thanks thank for having us. Thanks. Obvious, yeah. Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. All of my music was graciously done by Frank Zumo and Tom Thacker. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday. truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.